want to discuss a question today in this podcast. Situation ethics is of no practical use in making decisions about premarital sex. Discuss. Now, remember that Joseph Fletcher called his own theory principled relativism. Sounds like a paradox or a contradiction, doesn't it? Because there's one absolute principle, and that is that we must maximise agape love. But this is always made relative to the individual and to circumstances. So we can't prescribe one consistent line of action in all cases. So in this example with premarital sex, we have to make a judgment based on the situation and the people involved. Now, agape love means unconditional love for stranger and friend. It is costly love. And the best example is the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10. The Samaritan, if you remember, was an outsider who provided first aid assistance and even paid the hotel, hotel bill, even though the Samaritan had married outside the Jewish faith and was therefore unclean. There are four working principles, if you remember, and it's worth learning them, which illustrate how Fletcher's theory works in practice. Personalism, it focuses on the individual. Pragmatism, it takes a case-by-case -case approach. Relativism, relative to consequences and to individual need. And positivism, that we accept the principle on trust as it can't be proved to be the best moral system. We can't prove the ultimate intrinsic good of morality, be it pleasure in utilitarian ethics, or here agape love, says Fletcher. So we have to accept them on trust and then act on them. Now, premarital sex, which is part of the applied ethics section of our course, and by the way, any of the moral theories that we study could be placed alongside issues of sexual ethics. Premarital sex raises the issue of autonomy, personal choice, the issue of respect for the other person, so important if you call on in Kantian ethics in that second formula, the formula of M's, and thirdly, whether short-term pleasure is really an ultimate moral value, or whether we should consider other factors such as character, integrity, the effect on mental health, the risk of disease, and so on. Does it depend on the context of premarital sex, whether we consider it to be morally right or wrong, as there is arguably a big moral difference between casual sex when perhaps we've drunk a bit too much, and committed sex in a relationship of love outside of marriage. Now, William Barclay in Ethics in a Permissive Society, his book, has three major criticisms of situation ethics they are worth being familiar with. We could consider these three with particular reference to an example. I meet someone at a party, I'm attracted to them, and I'm considering whether to engage in sexual relations, for example. Freedom only works um, 
says William Barclay, where there is perfect love. If there is no love, then freedom can become license. Freedom can become selfishness or even cruelty. That's a quote from his book. Because our love is imperfect, we are, Barclay thinks, not ready or wise enough to completely exercise this sort of freedom without some kind of social rules. It's just too demanding. It's too risky. Again, he says, we need a certain amount of law because we are the sort of people that we are. We need guidance. We need the wisdom of past generations. We need, using that Greek word, practical wisdom or phrenesis to make right and appropriate judgments. And the younger we are, the less likely we are to do that. Barclay thinks that if we were all saints, situation ethics would be the perfect ethics, but we aren't. And moreover, agape love is the most demanding type of love. Barclay argues that we develop as moral beings from childhood onwards. We could link this idea with Freudian ideas of how the conscience develops in childhood. We grow in wisdom and we grow in knowledge. We need to develop habits which are good habits and so grow in wisdom and right judgment. It's a process. And Fletcher, says Barclay, completely ignores this developmental element in our character. Incidentally, this was a major criticism Mill in his utilitarianism makes of Bentham, Bentham's version of utilitarian ethics, which is much more situational than Mill's. And so Barclay says, without wisdom, we will make big mistakes and at a party we'll be tempted to sleep with someone. When, when tempted to sleep, sleep with someone, my wisdom will be clouded by all sorts of things from peer group pressure, drink, or simply a rather immature desire for pleasure. And Barclay gives us five reasons why law, including moral rules, is good and beneficial. Law is based on wisdom and past experience of society. Law translates morals into social disciplines, backed up by disapproval, what we call moral taboo. Law defines what is wrong. Law discourages people from committing a moral wrong. It provides incentives to be a morally good person. Law protects society. And so Barclay concludes, freedom and law go hand in hand. In evaluating a premarital sexual decision, we need to consider, therefore, and it's an important point, both the personal and the social cons consequences. No individual decision, arguably, is entirely individual, particularly when it comes to sexual relationships. Taking a natural law and absolute perspective, in contrast, Pope Pius XII condemned situation ethics with these words, it's an individual and subjective appeal to the concrete circumstances of actions in order to justify decisions in opposition to the natural law or God's revealed will. Notice that word subjective. And in the 1960s, the Roman Catholic Church became seriously worried about the influence of such ethical views as situation ethics. 
By the time we come to Pope Benedict, he talks, just before he became Pope, when he was still Cardinal Ratzinger, he talks about the tyranny of relativism. How this idea that I am completely free and autonomous somehow takes hold of me and becomes a kind of law in itself, and one, by the way, that has very harmful consequences. And it's simply unchristian, says Pius, because situation ethics is prepared to break the laws clearly laid down in the Bible, uh, which are meant to be interpreted as to how we do the most loving thing. But absolutist Christians believe these laws uh, uh, need to be adhered to. Laws, for example, that govern premarital sexual relations. Is there, however, we might argue in contrast to this, an absolute biblical prohib prohibition on premarital sex? You can research this one for yourself before you'll reach your conclusion on this question of situation ethics is of no practical use in making decisions about premarital sex. It does have the virtue of immediacy, situation ethics and simplicity, and it does focus on the personal rather more than the social context. You could argue that these are strengths, but we need to consider carefully as well and to evaluate for ourselves William Barclay's major criticisms in his book, Ethics in a Permissive Society. And by the way, if you're researching the biblical view of premarital sex, you might start with 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 18 to 20, the words of St. Paul. There's a very full set of resources in the ethics section of the PEPED website. You'll find um, a detailed handout, and then there are extracts, part of William Barclay's book, extracts from the Roman Catholic critique of situation ethics, and also a fully marked essay. So just go to the PEPED website.